If a brand doesn't know who they are, and if they're not resilient, they're really going to fall behind very, very fast. Hey, what's up, brand new experts? Arik here at Epic Design, and welcome to On Branding Podcast. And today I have two guests, Katrin Clark and Paul McDowell. And they found the branding agency Clark McDowell over 20 years ago. And they've worked with brands like Starbucks, Danone, Pepsi, Herman, uh, Comcast, Colgate, Palmolive, and many other brands. And they help them with branding, strategy, and innovation. So Clark McDowell partners with brands that have bold ambitions to make our future brighter. And they have a progressive team of brand architects and expert problem solvers with a passion for making brands future ready. And this is the title of our today's episode, Making Brands Future Ready. Hello, Catherine and Paul. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Eric. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. First, I wanted to say you're doing a great work. I love the style. I love your website and, and your portfolio. So you position your agency as an agency that prepares brand to be future ready, right? So I want to start off with talking about what does it actually mean so our listeners can understand what does it mean being future ready and why it's so important when it comes to branding. Well, we like to think about it as building resilience into your brand. So this, well, the last few years, I think we've all been in the entire globe has been through so many changes. Um, it's probably a, a good time to be thinking about being future ready because everything's changing so much. But it's really about helping brands have more resilience so that they can actually go through those times. And for the teams who manage those brands to have the optimism and the strength to kind of make the choices that they need to make. So for us, what we find actually is the biggest foundation for that is to really being clear on who you are. Like you can't be resilient. You can't be able to pivot if you don't really know what your grounding force is, if you like, and what really makes you who you are. Um, so we work with all kinds of clients and it often starts with digging deep into that. I'll give you one example. We worked with the yeah. City Thunder NBA team and they, you know, they might win, they might lose, but they really needed to know who they were as a culture, as an organization, as a group of people, so that they weren't subject, if you like, to the ebbs and flows of players leaving or coming or games being lost or won. So they're an organization actually that did a lot of work with us to redefine their heart. And it's, it's carried them through in an amazing way. And we're, we're so um, admiring of, of all the moves they've made since then. I think we see it changing for brands now and brand owners. The speed of change is rapid. I mean, getting faster mm -hmm. and faster all the time. There are cultural changes, political changes, changes in behaviors, in tastes, in, you know, and, and that's obviously propagated by social media, but also events like world events like COVID, that forced a massive change across the board. And so if a brand doesn't know who they are, and if they're not resilient, they're really going to fall behind very, very fast, you know, and they're even cancelled to some degree. So the, the speed of reaction, responsiveness, and always looking ahead is so mm -hmm. important. It's so important. Um, the danger of becoming irrelevant very quickly is is very apparent. Can maybe can you think of a specific example so we can understand the concept? Maybe you know we can think of one of your clients and the challenges, some of the challenges that you know they came to you with and how you solved those challenges. Yeah, I'm going to continue with this uh, Oklahoma City Thunder example because it's a good one. Yeah. You know they're subject to players 
coming, leaving, to winning or losing that they can't really truly control. And so what they did is a lot of sort of inward looking work to try and understand what defines them as the culture. And they're really about progress. They're really about um, creating a legacy beyond the sport. So they kind of try to help think of themselves and their purpose beyond playing a game, but really about being making change, creating a legacy and always being forward thinking. So when it came, for example, to the recent rebuild that they had to do, they had been planning that, not necessarily to execute it, but they were ready for it probably a couple of years before it actually happened. They were already processing that. How will we do it? And they didn't see it as any kind of failure. They saw it as the best, smartest move they could possibly do um, to rebuild their team. And so we've seen them go through all kinds of different challenges and really be very clear about sort of the values that they have. So I would say with all the clients that we work with, that's probably the one that is most subject to change and they're in the news all the time. So, you know, that mm-hmm. it's probably heightened for them, but it's the same when we're working with a CPG brand or any kind of brand, having that sense of who you are so that you know whatever happens, you know how to respond on Twitter, you know how to respond if people leave your your, your company and all of those kind of things. Right. So it's about uh, defining the brand internally, right? It's about brand culture is a big part of that. And brand purpose, as you said, right? Finding that uh, greater purpose and um, defining your brand internally yeah. uh, to be able to respond to, you know, the world that is changing so rapidly these days, right? I'm just curious, do you guys have a specific framework or maybe any like specific branding exercises that you use in your process? Because, you know, different agencies, they have, you know, obviously different approach. Is it something that you have like a proprietary framework that you use? Can you explain? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about this. And Paul, you can build as well. I think what Paul and I are all about is bringing intelligence and imagination together. That's kind of, and Paul is a creative, you know, in training and I'm a strategist in training. So really those, those two sides of the brain coming together. So the brand framework that we use actually has a lot of the pieces a lot of agencies have. It has purpose, it has values, it has all the kind of classic things, but we've designed it as this brand arch that really starts to encompass both the thinking part, so the the vision, mission, all that kind of stuff, and the expression part. So, you know, how does your brand actually manifest? How do you respond? What's your tone of voice? How do you express yourself visually? And all of it is held together at the middle by your character. So imagine your character is like your your keystone in your arch. It's the person that the brand is, if you like, that holds all that together. So we do use that framework um, with our clients because character is often thought about as this kind of afterthought of personality. We put four words and everybody's happy, but really you need to dig quite deep to understand your character so that then everybody in the organization knows how to respond as a brand. You know, you want that junior person who's managing your Instagram account to know what to do as in the same way that CEO knows what to do. So the character is really, for us, the, the keystone of all of that. Right. So you, you call it character. So some other people call it brand personality, I would say, or brand persona or things yeah. like that. But basically, it's a similar concept, yeah, right? It, so. It's similar. I mean, a character is something that is intrinsic and is un- unwavering. A personality, you can, you can kind of flex and shift because that's more outward. So mm-hmm. we that's see character and personality okay. be slightly different. Um, slightly different things. I was also going to say, you know, beyond just the, um, you know, the character leads to expression, there's also innovation as well. So within future readiness, it's not just how one expresses oneself, what you say, it's also the products that you actually create and make as well. And that's, that's what we're seeing is a, is a big shift. And we're actually extremely busy right now with a lot of innovation work 
as, mm-hmm. as, as, as people are coming out of COVID and go, like, oh my, what's next? You know, there's been a radical change uh, in how people are dealing with, you know, the food, how people dealing with health, wellness, mental well-being, all of those things, working from home, et cetera. And so there's a big push towards like, well, how is, you know, people's behavior pivoting and shifting based on, on this? And how do we respond from a product standpoint, from a portfolio standpoint? And then how does that, you know, what's our right to play in that space? And how's it, how's it connected to our brand personality, our brand purpose, our character rather, and our brand purpose? Now, we are going to take a quick break here, but we'll be right back. Listen, my mission is to help people design iconic brands. So whether you're a business leader who wants to be more intentional with branding and all of its aspects, or you're a creative professional who wants to attract powerful clients and truly be able to help them succeed with branding, then you need to start with a discovery session in order to develop a strategy that will inform all of your creative work. And everything that you need to learn how to do that, you can find in my online courses at ebigdesign.com slash shop, where I share with you my worksheets, case studies, video tutorials, and other additional resources to help you feel safe and strong about your process. Now let's get back to our interview. Right. So you combine uh, those two things, right? So now, since we have some understanding of how you prepare brands to be future ready, now let's talk about brand creation. I just wanted to spend a few minutes because as I mentioned, you know, every agency, we have a different approach, but you work with both startups, smaller brands and bigger brands, right? As we mentioned in the introduction. So, and in, in different industries as well, right? So can you just explain in more detail what makes your process so unique and special? Because I saw on your website that basically you assume three scenarios when you work with brands, right? Either is a brand creation where you create a brand from scratch and the brand does not exist. Uh, didn't exist before. Brand amplification is where you try to make the brand stronger, right? And brand transformation, this is what you were talking about. This is where uh, we actually need to you know, reinvent the brand. So can you talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, brand creation. So the end of, I mean, we have a, we're entrepreneurs by, by, by nature and who we are. We try to, um, to bring that spirit and entrepreneurialism to, to the process. Now we're working with actual true entrepreneurs. It's either... When we're working with big organizations, what we found is we really try to establish a true champion on from a brand side. So from an organizational standpoint, what we've seen is brand managers will come in out, just they rotate as they go through the organization. And you can't really build a brand that way. You need to have like true passion. You need to really be a champion and to drive and push whatever that brand purpose and that brand goal is. So we establish <laughs> as best we can, we try and establish a champion. We also bring in stakeholders as well, because you can't push things up, up uphill. You need to have folks at the top that are all aligned at the very top and, and have skin in the game, basically. So we make sure we establish the, the, the core team, because without that core team, it's very difficult to get things mm-hmm. through. And then it's there's not a hard, logical way of building a brand. It really is about, as Catherine said earlier, about intelligence, imagination. And it's about making these intuitive leaps. It's about establishing yeah, what are, what's our goal, what's our purpose, what's our relevance, what's our right for being. And then, and then creating what we call sort of um, these whole propositions so again it's not just a product in isolation not just a purpose in isolation not just a story but how are these complete entities working together 
right. getting those out in front of people and just seeing how the response and we'll bring in consumers not to say if they like something, don't like something, to help shape and form those ideas in a way that's relevant to their lives. So bringing in creative consumers in our build life and our bespoke sort of build life sessions. And so is this, this sort of idea of building holistically, testing things, putting them out there, using our intuition and mm-hmm. um, and having that driving force, that our client driving force, just pushing, 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 pushing from their way through, really. Um, but without mm-hmm. that passion, we found it's, it's difficult to truly make it, to launch something or to create something of meaning because you need to take risk. And organizations, by definition, are risk averse. You know, we hear fail, fail, fail. But like in the reality, they're scared of it because people's bonuses and money and all those things are tied to it. So we get it. But you have to be brave and you have to have to just basically create a new brand. It's, there's risk involved in it. So um, we're trying to help manage and mitigate some of that fear and anxiety through all of those steps. Catherine, do you have any builds on that? Yeah, Catherine, please. Yeah, I think I think where, you know, it does help when our clients will set up like a, a venture group or something. So we recently worked with a venture group for post holdings and they created this venture group that was trying to create things that were more environmentally friendly. And then we created a, a brand for them called Airly, which is essentially a food brand that, mm-hmm. you know, has, Paul, you, you can probably yeah, do Airly. Yeah, I saw the project on your website, yeah. Yeah, it uses regenerative farming to basically put clean air back into the environment. So it's it's an incredible it's incredible proposition. But, but I guess the takeaway is, you know, they had this splinter group, and I think that splinter group mentality really helps yeah. because you know they're alone in an office, they don't have any resources. I mean, this is a classic thing. You're getting people in a, to a different mindset. So when we work with a venture group like that, you know, we're kind of set up for that entrepreneurial spirit when we're working with people who are still sitting in the main office, as Paul saying with, you know, rotations going on on their team and all of that. Um, we do try and create that spirit as much as possible. And we have brand tools like everybody else. I think mm-hmm. where we add value is just trying to get people to think more like entrepreneurs and, and like Paul saying, have that courage to kind of have the conviction, like a personal conviction behind the idea as opposed to, oh, this looks good on paper, but really put themselves into it because you, it's very hard to create something that other people are going to fall in love with if you're not completely committed to it yourself. I mean, yeah. that's the... I don't believe yeah. it. You know, it's very different. It's not tactical, you know, like it is about scaling a brand or whatever. It's there's there's a lot of heart and soul and passion. And that was the success of launching early in, you know, in a matter of months. And we've done it with Pepsi. We had a we launched Stub and Soda with Pepsi with a really small kind of scrappy team, rolled the sleeves up, and we launched a soda brand in a matter of a few months, a brand, you know, new brand, which is which is which is growing. Which is, Fantastic. You know, lots right. has been written about these DTC brands that all look the same and they start to look like they have a bit of a formula going. And I think that is coming back to the idea of passion. I think some of these are, are built because there's a business opportunity, but there's not necessarily a, a real passion and idea. And it makes a difference. You know, when you see a brand that's been born with with like Trebani, that's been born with like a real passion and entrepreneur behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are trying to see if we can make that spark happen within our, our client organizations as much as possible. And I just wanted to ask, can you give us like an estimate? I know every, every brand is different, right? And every business has different challenges, but in general, how long does it take? As you said, it took you a few months. So how long does it take for in for each scenario, for example, if you create a brand from scratch, right? There are, there are no marketing materials, not basically nothing. We, you need to build it from scratch and versus brand amplification or brand transformation. 
So that's a great question. I would say it depends what you mean by create a brand because a brand doesn't really exist until people have a relationship with it. So, but in terms of having something to brand, put out there. Brand identity, like, yeah, like define the brand, uh, brand strategy and create all the visuals to start launching the brand. We like speed when it comes to brand creation because without momentum, you don't have that passion. So, mm-hmm. you know, our best jobs, we've had like enormous pressure and we've been out there in like three, four months. So when things take a year, a year and a half, nothing happens. Like you get analysis paralysis. So we would say the shorter the time frame for brand creation, and then you just got to go in there knowing you're going to keep changing it. You're going to make it better in real life. So don't perfect it too much. Just get it out there. So, you know, if you could aim to have something out in three or four months, I think the thing that takes the longest actually is the last one, which is the brand, you know, transformation because organizations have, you know, built these massive brands. They've got a huge following. They're usually are very profitable and then we're asking them to completely change. And that is something you shouldn't rush. You really need to take your time and make sure you know what you're doing and that you really get the organization brought in. So I would say that can take like a year, sometimes a year and a half to really, truly restage a big billion dollar brand because rushing that is a bit of a, we've had that a few times where we've like, oh, could you restage our brand? And we rush, rush, rush. And then we don't have buy-in internally. You really need to make space for all the stakeholders to basically feel great about the risk they're taking. Now, in this day and age, you know, we don't always have a year and a half. So I would just say to organizations, start thinking about the fact that your brand is going to need to change way before it happens. Because when it happens, you're going to be ready. So take it on and start seeing the big patterns like Gen Zs are coming along. You know, we're not just talking about millennials anymore. So even though they're not your consumers yet, get to know them like, you know, good two, three years ahead of, of when it's going to hit you. Right. That makes total sense. So so some of my key takeaways for our listeners, you know, whether it's for creatives who work with brands or brands themselves and teams and entrepreneurs. So, you know, when you think about rebranding or embarking on a rebrand, start as soon as possible, right? Because it takes time and some, um, especially young teams or startups, they don't realize how long it actually takes to, you know, develop a great brand identity and all those things, create all these visuals so the brand looks consistent, right? Right? So it, it all takes time. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. As you said, you know, when, when it comes to transformation, um, it's all about buy-in. And there is also a lot of information to work with, right? You need to interview stakeholders just because of the scope of work itself. That's why it takes so long, right? As you said, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. Paul, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, it does take time. And like you said, across those three things, brand creation through to transformation, we Catherine and I figured out there's a certain psychology that we treat that we sort of tapped into. There are different mindsets from our clients' side. So with brand creation, there's a lot of excitement and there's energy if you get the right team behind it. Amplification, there's a lot of bravado because the brand's doing well and they want to reach more people. So and then transformation is usually absolute fear. Right? Because it's like crap, we could be out of business, we could be irrelevant, or we have this Mm -hmm. legacy, you know, we're a big brand, everyone knows us, and to make a change is, it can be paralyzing. So we empathize with how brand owners feel. So we try and work with them from a from a psychology standpoint, which is really important. And I think that's also, to your point, Eric, is, is part of why the time, there's time, there's the mechanics of rolling out brand identity and all of those things, which just takes time. 
Then you've got the, you know, the fear factor and, and making decisions and decision-making time is it can really can, can slow a process down and the journey down a lot. So it's really trying to have the team involved feel very confident about the changes that they're making and why they're making those changes. And that's up to us to present the information as best as we can and use our smarts and our foresight and all the data that we have to drive those decisions as well. We like to tell our team, you know, it's it's about the quality of the work you do. We need to be super creative. You need to execute beautifully. We need strategists that are on point. They're insightful. But if you don't have the ear and the trust of your client, you're not going to get anywhere. So knowing the psychology of that client that's creating something is very different, like Paul was saying, to the psychology of somebody who is in a transformation stage really helps you have more empathy so you can kind of go in and not get frustrated. We get people sort of say, oh, it's taking so long. I'm so frustrated. Why can't they make a decision? But if you understand what they're going through, suddenly it's like, oh, let me help them have the right information to make the right decision, have the space to do it. So I think all with, with brand creation, people say, oh my God, these people are so frenetic. Of course they are. They have to build everything at once. So get in there, work with them, speak to them every day. You know. So I think one recommendation we'd make to just you know people who are listening, if they have an agency, is just setting up their team for success to know what to expect from their client, given the situation they're in is really different. Right. So obviously I'm going to include the link to your website so you guys can check out the work. But can you just give us a few examples for each scenario? Maybe you have any of your projects you want to share with our audience. What can we, you know, what should we look at? What projects are you the most proud of when it comes to maybe each, at least one example for each, if possible, for, for creation, transformation and amplification? So on brand creation, we mentioned early, I think we love it because it's a big firm called Post Holdings, they own Post Cereals, they're kind of like, you know, your mainstream cereal maker, and they're going out there doing some breakthrough environmentally conscious products that are going to be accessible to the mainstream. So we're super pumped about that creation. It's a baby brand that's just come out there, uh, but it's got tons of potential. And we did everything from naming, design, positioning, that whole thing. I think on amplification, we have these incredible partners we work with in the Low East Side of Manhattan called the Low East Side Girls Club. They're an organization that um, helps these incredible young women in the neighborhood become like world shapers. And so we've helped them really re-articulate their brand for a new kind of era that they're going into their next 25 years of existence. And that's just been extremely fulfilling. And, and you can see their work out there. It, it's beautiful. It's full of energy and it's kept their spirit, but yet it feels contemporary again. And it feels like it's tapped into kind of Gen Z's and, and that whole aesthetic that's happening. And then in transformation, we did an amazing job with uh, Palmolive as part of Call get palm olive dish soap. I mean, how how do you transform dish soap? But you know, that's a brand that's like kind of been there. People trust, but suddenly through COVID, we were able to really redesign and restage the whole brand. Now it's like the most eco-friendly mainstream dish soap you're going to be able to find. And everybody in the organization has kind of shifted their mindset and there's a lot of passion for it. So that's a brand transformation we're super proud of. Huge amount of SKUs to redesign um, and just a big, big effort. Yeah, and I think another one on brand transformation, which we have on the site is Evolution Fresh. That was a pioneer organic juice brand that was... It's owned by Starbucks, kind of. Uh -huh. It's owned by Starbucks. I like the juice. I, I yeah, often buy it. Great juice. juice. <laughs> and it's uh, good juice and a great packaging. 
It was going to be delisted by Starbucks. Mm. It wasn't selling. It wasn't connecting with this oh, new yeah? generation of, 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 of juice drinkers. Mm. And uh, we were working very closely with the team and uh, managed to reinvent Evolution Fresh, rethought that, you know, not, keep, not throwing away any of the good stuff, keeping the good, getting rid of what was not relevant, and then rearticulating the story all the way through to the uh, positioning, the mission, blah, blah, blah. And then the visual identity. And mm -hmm. that brand is now in double-digit growth, growth that they have never seen before without advertising. And that was just down to, you know, a commitment from their team, a partnership with us, and then the work that we did. So we're very proud of that one too. It's evolving and they've got new innovations and they're growing and it's a fabulous brand and the product is phenomenal and it's making organic juice accessible to people, which is which is wonderful, which we love. Yeah, that's a great example. I think we can all relate to that brand uh, because it's everywhere, right? So It is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So any final thoughts, uh, maybe any tips you have for creative agencies or freelancers or even for, for clients, you know, who are thinking about rebranding? I would just say, you know, we're very fluid in the way that we work and we have people with very different mindsets. Mix people up. You know, there's a way to do it so that it's not chaos. But this whole business, you know, we need processes, but we also need fluidity. We need sparks. We need energy. We need creativity. We need to mix people's minds together. So I would just say, try not to get too caught up in the tools and all. Yes, we need all of that, but don't forget mm -hmm. the magic and the spark because, That's the reason Paul and I are in business is this creative process is, is super exciting. And so you got to try and celebrate it and bring great minds together as much as possible. Right. So some of my key takeaways for you guys don't get, uh, we all use different tools, but uh, don't get stuck with those tools. It's also about intuition and thinking holistically and about how those elements work together. Yeah. A big part of that is brand purpose, brand culture and things like that. But ultimately it's about creativity, right? And how do you find this connection and to create something uh, new and, and original and unique, right? So I'm going to include a link to those examples of your work and, and to your website, of course course anything else you want me to share with our listeners maybe your social media yeah that'd be great you can share our i think we have an instagram account linkedin those are probably yeah. our main ones that you you could you could share yeah we have a fabulous fabulous team that put out awesome newsletters we share culture we have our um, little spy 10 we share out culture insights we put out thought pieces written by several members of the team and um, they're all great We love them. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and I would yeah, say, I saw if there's smart people out there, freelancers, whether they're designers, strategists, account people, feel free to get in touch. We're always meeting people. We're always looking for great brains. So, if you have something to offer and you're interested in our vibe and what we what we're doing, don't hesitate to reach out. Send us a note, and you'll probably get a meeting with us. Awesome. Are you looking for new talents to join the team? All the time. Always. Always. <laughs> awesome. So you guys contact them if you have a great portfolio. So thank you very much for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for great questions. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Loved it. Thanks. Take care. Take Thanks. care, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.